and thanks for joining us to for episode four of the Mount Sinai Health Partners podcast. I'm Rob Fields, Senior Vice President and CMO for Pop Health at Mount Sinai. And I have with me a uh, dear friend and colleague, uh, Amanda Widmeyer. So Amanda uh, and some other folks on the team were the first folks I met from Sinai at a conference, uh, I guess maybe a year ago, not quite a year ago. Right. Um, so they were very welcoming and great. So it's great to be here and talk with you. Great to be here. Um, so Amanda, tell us a little bit about what uh, um, your path, because you're newish to Sinai also, right? Mm-hmm. Tell yeah. us a little bit about that. So I, my training is in industrial engineering and kind of the traditional logistics, process improvement, supply chain. I tried those things and just wasn't feeling, <laughs> feeling the passion until I did an internship at um, uh, Grady Memorial Hospital in downtown Atlanta in oh, their yeah. emergency department. Hopefully on the provider side and not on the, not like, on the gunshot side, wound yeah. side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was um, a research assistant in their ED. And so doing things like time studies and uh, process redesign, things that uh, most people would probably roll their eyes at. But like that is where I found um, a lot of very passionate people. Mm-hmm. And that's where I realized, one, there's a lot of work to be done. <laughs> and two... Um, the impact I could have would be meaningful. Mm-hmm. And so from there, I worked at a, a few different health systems and then ended up uh, working at Aetna in their pop health arm um, for most of my career. Um, and so I was analyzing claims data to mm-hmm. determine ROI on some of their pop health programs like care management, traditional uh, utilization management, some disease management, and some of their like newer wellness programs. Right. Um, and then they started doing some pilots around embedding care managers, um, wellness coaches at their either provider um, partners or at employer, uh, like on-site employer headquarters. And so we started trying to measure ROI and outcomes for those newer programs. And that's where we were starting to get a glimpse at like what could these new partnerships uh, really bring from a clinical and a financial perspective. And kind of simultaneously, life was happening. I had uh, my son, and I realized if I'm going to be working and away from him, I want to do something that's meaningful. It's meaningful, right. And so that's Your where... Your time becomes more valuable, right? It does. <laughs> so um, that's when I found Mount Sinai, about right at a year ago. Right. Yeah, I think you had only been with the company a couple months when... Right. When, I knew uh, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're all trying to figure it out. Um no, it's great. And on the payer side, so I'm I'm curious what. I mean, that's a really important question. I guess we'll. I know we'll come back to this towards the end, but the idea it sounds like you were trying to measure the effectiveness and impactability of some of the work on the payer side. Right. Right. Um. It's it's a tough question, right? Because if you talk to ACOs across the country and you ask them, "What did you do to be successful?" You know, the successful you get shared savings, you got whatever you got mm-hmm. in shared savings, you reduce cost of care by three, four, five percent or more. What were what were the things that you did that uh, allowed you to be successful? And they mostly like, like we don't have Shrug. any idea. <laughs> <laughs> did you guys come to major conclusions? Uh, do you feel like in your time at it now? Um, I think we started to get glimpses of things that yeah. were working that were different, um, and so. But it became harder to measure also because there were more um, interconnected pieces. There was right. work that was going on um, at, an, at an employer, whether it was benefit design or things right. that they were doing with other partners combined right. with what we were doing. So it was, 
it was always hard to tease out the specific impact of, um, let's say, one intervention. Mm-hmm. But, and that's probably true. And that's across the board. And so, but directionally, you started to see that. Well, overall, this particular pilot did better than another. So let's try more like these. Yeah. Are there? I'm sure there are lots of things, but can you think of a couple, maybe elements that you have taken from your role, your time on the payer side, in this job, and um, that you kind of use what you know, what your tools, your toolkit that you pull out periodically? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. I think um, some of the principles that I that I learned at Aetna, um, a lot of it on the data side, but also around. Um, clinical intervention. So just to speak to the data side for, for a second, um, there there's always going to be pitfalls in, in using data for the wrong things. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way that you frame up a question like, well, I want to determine X, Y, Z, or I want to prove that this worked um, always impacts kind of how you approach something. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's something that I don't take lightly. Um, and so I, I think that's an, that's important no matter where, which space you're in, whether you're on the payer side or on the provider side. Yeah. Um, and and so I think then some of the other things that I learned at Aetna were um, the challenges that we have in, with the data um, in a siloed fashion. The payer doesn't have all of the information. The providers don't have all the information. The members certainly don't have all the information that they need. And how important it is to stitch those disparate data sources together mm-hmm. to inform um, decision making. Yeah. Whether yeah, yeah. that's at a strategic level or at a tactical level, right. uh, making sure that you have um, as many pieces of the puzzle as possible yep. um, is, is extremely important. And each of those pieces kind of tells you something different, huh? Right. Yeah. Right. Or different stories sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Completely different story. Yeah. Right. Um, so, th- oh, there are a lot of things that we could talk about with, <laughs> with data, and it's a huge interest of mine. But uh, there are, a, in the time that we have, there are a couple of areas that we have started to use data within MSHP. Um, maybe one of the biggest is to inform providers on their individual performance um, in primarily in terms of quality, although we're now evolving into not just quality, but also utilization in terms of ER use, et cetera, right? Um, inevitably, whenever you present data to providers, there are a couple things that come out. One is the data is wrong, um, and my patients are sicker, and so the reason my data doesn't look so great, uh, my results don't look so great is because my patients are sicker and all those things. Can you uh, speak a little bit to those challenges and 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 how, I mean, how you might put data into context. Like when you frame these conversations with providers, how do you put it into context? I'm nodding my, my head over here. I've heard that quite a few yeah, times. Yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> um, and, and some providers may have heard me say this before, but I think of the data as the conversation starter, mm-hmm. not the, the end of the conversation about like, this is, uh, this is the retrospective view of how you did, and that's the end of the story. Um, I really view it as a way to initiate a conversation about this is what we this is what we've seen mm-hmm. um, this is what our data is telling us how can we how can we improve together I need feedback on I need the feedback that you're giving mm-hmm. me okay maybe there are some things that are that have holes in it and that's that's okay because we should be there to fix it mm-hmm. um, 
so I, I try to frame it in that context that it's something that we're doing together. It's not like you versus the data. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> um, it's not a judgment. Right, right. Um, but of course, performance is performance, and we all want to make sure that we're um, meeting kind of minimum standards or better than minimum standards. Mm-hmm. And so I also view it as as a way to to bring that insight because it's not always easy to think about on a day-to-day basis. So um, being able to have a, a set-aside place or set of tools that you can go to when, when there is time or um, how do we make those more embedded in your regular workflows, like mm-hmm. I think those are two things that um, are important in the discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully we move more away from like this is the report card you get every yeah, right. <laughs> every year that it's more that it becomes part of something that you rely on and that's something that we have to work on right it, it seems to me uh for those of you that um are not part of the network we have periodic town halls and we meet with providers and you did a great job of trying to tell that story i think in the last town hall looking at dashboards i think people immediately want to pick out or um detract from the objective, right? It's either they're upset with the tool or with the number, and there's a fixation on the number that is in exclusion of the greater context, which is actually the thing we're trying to get at, right? We're trying to affect culture um, and have people thinking about things in a different way that's related to the number, but it's not exactly about the specific number, Mm -hmm. right? Um, uh, So, yeah. Um, If you... I mean, have you seen workflows um, it, the, in either ambulatory side or on the payer side that use data? Like if you if you could wave your magic wand operationally and translate the work that you do into a practice, what would that look like? Do you have a sense of what that would look like? I, I th- If I could wave my magic wand, <laughs> yeah. I need one of those with my two-year-old too. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I Good think luck it, with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I um, – all. I think the from a provider perspective, whether that's a physician, a medical assistant, um, mm-hmm. or some, a non-clinician in the practice, they they all need to have this single source of truth. They need mm-hmm. to be working off of the same set of um, shared patients um, from a panel perspective. It's and it wouldn't and it would be longitudinal. It wouldn't be about um, necessarily just today's patients. It would be. As a group, this is who we're responsible for, and we have visibility into that on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Um, so just having visibility into the population that a practice is working with would be one gold standard. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then having that longitudinal data about a patient all in one place. Like you would know everything that the PCP knows about the patient Mm -hmm. and the 10 specialists that they saw and which Mm -hmm. ERs they went to and uh, all of their imaging from some other organization. Um, And I think that combining it together in a hierarchy that makes it very seamless for whoever's interacting with the patient would be, um, would be a great place to get to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We're closer than we were though, I think. Yes, I think so. Yeah. I think so. Um, Right now, let, uh, if we talk a little bit about the sources of data that we get so that those that are listening that are doing this kind of work, uh, everyone talks about claims information because that's, that's the easy, in air quotes here, uh, the easy stuff. We get it at least mm-hmm. with some level of regularity from the payers, 
varying levels of quality, of course, but uh, we get it regularly. Talk a little bit about some of the other sources of data that you guys have started to ingest and, and combine, right? Because sure. to your point earlier, it's not just about claims. It's not about just about any single source. You put all the sources together, you get something kind of powerful. Can you talk about where both where we are now and where you see it going in terms of additional sources? Sure. Um, so I think claims data is a, a great place to start. It starts to fill in some of the gaps about mm -hmm. what happens to our patients outside of our four walls. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's one one huge lift to the amount of information that we have. Right. Um, and then on top of that, as we start to think about um, the role of the the care manage the care managers and the type of information that they're gathering about our patients that don't typically come out in a patient visit or an acute mm -hmm. um, instance where we're where we're starting to understand those social determinants. Um, of their health and, and what their barriers are. I think there's a lot of rich information there mm -hmm. that can help guide our, um, guide our population health efforts. Mm -hmm. um, in addition to that, I think our community partners are also gathering a lot of that information. Um, of course, the similar, similarly, some of our partners in um, in the pop health space they're they're buying data <laughs> in right. terms of um, information about zip codes uh, or even more granular than that to help us understand where what are the likely uh, barriers for people mm -hmm. that we've associated with with their health um, so I think there's some ex exciting data and characteristics about maybe not not even just our patients but um, the areas in general that right. we serve right. that could better um, help us optimize where our services are needed. Yeah. It feels uh, very much like a public health approach to things, right? And where data, it's an approach to data that is, I should rephrase that, is, is more publicly health uh, in mindset and culture. Right? You take mm -hmm. uh, epidemiologic data, geographic data, and look for patterns over time with, it's kind of fun to think about things. Healthcare is not has not traditionally thought about things that way. Right. Have the payers in your previous payer experience were they thinking about things that way, or is it not not so much? I think they 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 definitely were, but from the from a different perspective okay. um, in terms of what do we take from these kind of publicly or uh, available data sources that will help us understand the costs mm -hmm. of patients, um, whereas we're trying to think about it as where can we help and impact patients. I think it I think it puts a different spin on mm -hmm. what you use the data for. Um, and so obviously payers are very good at using this type of information to work their actuarial magic and figure out how to make money. Yeah. Um, and so I'm not saying that's a, a, a bad business model, sure, but at right. the same time, um, I think I don't think they've used it in a way to better understand where to geographically put resources. Right. Um, from a care management or from a provider network mm -hmm. standpoint. Do you have uh, any experience with uh, like direct to um, like patient provided data, um, like in terms of either survey or anything like that? And, and if so, how do you see that fitting in? It's it's an area that we that I did spend a, a decent amount dabbling in um, 
on the payer side and and all of us have probably filled out one of those health risk assessments before yeah, that right. um, either your employer or someone has uh, your insurance company has required of you right. um, to fill out and it has somewhere between like five and 500 questions about you <laughs> um, right in terms of how do you feel today when was the last time you did XYZ mm-hmm. um, and and a lot of the times that's the only way to get feedback from the patient um, but in in terms of categories like um, what types of foods do you eat how often do you exercise like that information isn't captured a lot of places mm-hmm. so it's an extra data point but it we're not always sure how truthful patients are in these types of responses, especially when your employer requires you to do it. Right. It's set up in cart. But it is an additional data point that gives you some um, additional insights into, to how the patient is feeling when they fill that out. So I think there is value in it. There's one specific question. um, I think you have to rank your overall well-being on like a scale of one to five. And that's generally, I think, pretty telling if you group like the middle categories together versus yeah. the outliers there's actually um, some evidence for that 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 single question mm-hmm. uh in terms of is probably most predictive of overall health right and, forget and the others. other 300 right. that they that's put right. on. <laughs> <laughs> i just want that one um and so i think that's an area that we we haven't tapped into mm-hmm. um but could be useful in, in figuring out where are our patients that we can see from a clinical perspective are complex, but may be may need to be even further up in the in mm-hmm. the hierarchy of um, our outreach and programs? Yeah, a couple other questions as we're kind of coming close on on time, and um, you know we talked a lot about the things that data can do for us in pop health and in clinical practice. Um, there are probably a lot of assumptions that not only providers have, that physicians have, but but others as well about what it can and what data can and can't do. Can you talk a little bit about what it what it isn't? <laughs> uh, it, it, you know, especially in the context of talking to providers, I, they have expectations that you probably need to readjust uh, right off the top. Sure. What, what what might those be? Like, what doesn't data actually do for you? I think it depends on the data. If we just yeah. categorize everything as data, um, I think providers are actually really intelligent about like in- taking what they're seeing and um, fitting together the, the puzzle. Um, I think they, they naturally want to um, figure out the problems for their patients. Right. Um, so I don't think it's a necessarily a problem of taking something and making rash decisions. <laughs> I don't think I've seen, seen that happen as frequently as... Um, the scenario where data is just kind of ignored. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I don't think data is not something to be ignored. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and and I think data is also not the like I was saying earlier. It's not the end of the conversation. Mm-hmm. It's 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 something for if the data exists, there was a reason why it existed, and we need to figure out if it was an error mm-hmm. how do we improve it mm-hmm. um and if it wasn't then then how do we how do we feel comfortable with it going forward yeah, how to react mm-hmm. right and so i i don't think data is always the the answer yeah um it has to be part of a broader solution yeah that makes a ton of sense um that would be that would be my broad answer for yeah, yeah data no, that's, a, is that's not. a good one <laughs> um so the future 
you know, mm-hmm. where, you know, we are where we are uh, in, in terms of what we can do and massage and visualize the data. What's the next, what's the next generation in terms of either predictive analytics or how we massage it? What, what do you see as the, the future? I think the future, so today we're using use case, we have use cases around, you know, operations mm-hmm. and we have use cases around um, dashboarding to your point. Everything's kind of retrospective what happened. Yeah. And we've got to move into, well, why did it happen and how do we predict mm-hmm. uh, what will happen? And I and so I think there's some, some obvious use cases about um, how do we understand of the patients we are able to engage with and have better outcomes with how do we find more patients like them Mm -hmm. Um, what makes a patient impactable Mm -hmm. uh, versus not impactable and how do we uh, align our resources accordingly to have the most impact Um, but also on the kind of prospective front being able to get data to the point of care all of all of the data to the point of care versus just pieces right. of it. Right. I think we still have a little bit further to go yeah. uh, in the future on on that front as well. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like uh, somehow getting to a place where we're telling the whole story, not just mm-hmm. pieces of it, is still a challenge even after. Yes. You know, twenty, thirty years of EMR, right. still we're still <laughs> dealing with it. Um, Amanda, thank you for your time and your work. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, if you guys, uh, those listening, have any ideas for future podcasts, please email me at robert.fields at mountsinai.org. Um, thanks for listening.